Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Suburbs of New York City. An apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Today's group therapy session commences now. What's up, brother? How are you feeling? Uh, Since we last recorded Sunday night, I would say... I haven't slept much. I would say that I am actually angrier now than I was then as I've continued to read and just let my own thoughts kind of like simmer in my head and just kind of like bounce around in the walls of my head and just think about how, I mean, like it's really, it's, it's almost personal because I'm just so mad. Like it's the people in life that you love the most that will also make you the angriest. Okay. And I think I know how dramatic that sounds to compare it to sports, but I do think for people who love sports the way we do and who have attachments to teams the way that we do, I think it applies. And it's like my anger with Tottenham at being a part of this that I just like I'm having probably the hardest time with. And I know that's selfish, like that's the only profi- one club in this, but like that's the, for me as a soccer fan, it's such a huge part of my life. It's something we talked about the other night. And like, I feel like I, right now they're like, if my, if my kid got caught, you know, doing drugs or something, like I would have a hard time looking at him the same way for a while. Like if he got in trouble stealing something, like I'm in that phase right now with Tottenham where I, I, you know, go to your room. I can't look at you. I don't want to think about you right now. We'll talk about this later. It's all still a little too raw. Like I feel like I'm still in that phase of this, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, you sent me a profanity laden uh, text the other day, yesterday. And I thought, wow, this is the first time I've seen Andrew exercised in this manner. No, that's impossible. About this issue, about who's the one that's always railing against corporate culture and soccer on this podcast? And, and, and like, who gets annoyed by the fact that we have to have, like, you know, advertising and things like that? It's me, usually. Uh, but, but this is such a, a fundamental change to the things we love. And it's been perpetrated by the clubs. Um, I say clubs. I, I'm really honing in on ownership over the last few few hours, I think. Okay. Because the club, like I said, the club are the supporters. The club are the players on the field and, and the manager. And even those are all transient, but the supporters aren't transient. They stay forever. And if we've learned anything, it's that like Newcastle United, I, I think of COVID here in Newcastle. They're a husk without the fans in the stadium. They really are. They're just a, a black and white jersey and Steve Bruce on the sideline, you know, looking red-faced and upset. There's not, you know, like Eric Cantona came out today and he said, uh, were the fans consulted about this? Football is nothing without fans. This is what we've learned from COVID era football. Were the fans even consulted about this? And they weren't. And, it, you know, I, it seems like a simplistic point, but it's, it's, it's the truest distillation of the problem here. Uh, John Henry, Joel Glazer, Stan Kroenke, uh, Sheikh Mansour, they are not football. They just, they aren't. No, uh, no, I've come to think this- of it. I've come to think of it in the way that I view, like the way that we view Apple, you know, like it's a, it's a product that is out there for people to 
to earn money. Like that's what it is. And football is a product. And I feel like that is how like these clubs, you know, fans develop emotional attachments to them because they're not just a product to us. It's part of our lives. It's part of family. It's part of, you know, tradition. Um, But to these people in charge, Enoch, John Henry, Sheikh Mansour, whoever, they are Apple. They are McDonald's. They are just like a vessel through which we can earn billions and billions of dollars. And and, and I think I I was reading, uh, or I started reading Simon Hathenstone, the Guardian writer. And he's a Manchester City fan who, all his life, Andrew, in his blood, stood on the Kipax at Main Road. And he couldn't, a decade ago, he couldn't countenance supporting the club, knowing what the ownership regime was doing back in its own country, the human rights issues. He couldn't do it. And he wrote a piece uh, this week, yesterday maybe. Uh, I've only just started it. There's, there seems like so much to read. Uh, and he just said that, you know, fans in a way had the opportunity, Manchester City fans he's talking about in particular, had the opportunity to protest, to get out on the streets a decade ago. And they didn't because fans got so wrapped up in one-upmanship. And now we're going to be able to take on United. And now we're, we're going to be the, no, the noisy neighbours no longer. You know, there was a... a there was the, 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 the land on which the fans stood has been slowly eroded and ebbed away over the past 20 years. You know, we yeah. can't look at this thing in, an isol- in, in isolation. The Premier League has been bad for football in many ways. It's been good in many ways, but it's been very bad for football in many ways. And and on our watch, we allowed things to happen. Uh, it's 12 years ago this month, or last month rather, since I stood at the Anfield Road end and sang the protest song against Gillette and Hicks. They don't care about Rafa. They don't care about fans. Liverpool Football Club are in the wrong hands. And it's amazing how a couple of trophies kind of blinded me to the fact that maybe Liverpool Football Club are still in the wrong hands. Uh, yeah, asleep at the wheel. I you're right. Um, but the thing I wonder about, like today, these clubs will forever have to wear this. Um, you know, no matter how, and we'll talk. We're, we're going to have Tarek Panja on of the New York Times, so we'll talk to him and get the latest information on everything that's going on, where things stand with all this. And you and I will talk about that in a moment as well. Um, th- these clubs involved the 12 and specifically, you know, the six kind of that we're referring to right now in the Premier League, they will have to wear this as a scarlet letter forever, no matter what the resolution is. Even if this winds up all going away, they will still forever be the clubs that tried to bring this all down. Um, but I do wonder, like what you're talking about, you know, right now, John Henry, maybe we were fooled. Look, today it, it's Tottenham, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, United, Arsenal. But like in a parallel universe, it could have been anyone. It could have been any, like, I, I truly do believe that through circumstance, these clubs are the ones that have risen to that level of wealth. And so they're involved, but like, if it was, you know, look what happened over the summer with Newcastle, you know, we, we had an, an in the club to talk about their situation with ownership and that fan base was on board. I'm not speaking for all of them, but the sense that we were getting during that in the club was, you know, we're tired of the losing. And we're ready to become the next Manchester City. And that and was the feeling did. that we got. And, oh, and yeah. so, 
So they didn't want to hear about Khashoggi or murder journalists or anything. Right. And so, and, you know, we talked, we had in-depth conversations, you and I on this podcast about that, of, you know, the the compromises that we as fans make, we sign up for the football. We don't sign up for the ownership. We talk about this all the time. And so, yeah, today it's Tottenham and Liverpool and another day it could have been Everton and Newcastle. Like this is, I just think it's the nature of what the sport and sports in general has become. It is a many, a money-making venture for ownership. Right. But, but I mean, like the formation of the Premier League was, was a means of, of increasing revenues for the top clubs. You know, we can't, like there's been a, you know, we can't overstate how there has been a journey to this point, you know, like right. especially within football. Uh, and I know it's, been supercharged in in the United States with with the NFL and and base, baseball. Well, I guess maybe baseball to a lesser extent, but certainly in the NFL and I think in football, football fans, you know, you see the protests in Germany. You know the effort they go to to maintain their clubs and to maintain fifty plus one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 quite stunning, really. And the Premier League hasn't really apart from a few clubs, and there have been protests, but it's usually not, it's usually against ownership who aren't investing or are going to get you relegated. It's not against the actual ownership and what they mean and the values and and ethics that they bring to the club and what potentially they're doing to the sport overall. Um, Yeah, these are some of the thoughts I've been thinking over the last uh, few days. Yeah, unfortunately, fans fans are the ones that have been put in this position now. Um, you know, and Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola to an extent, and I suppose players as well. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, so, to get into some of the, the nuts and bolts of all this, um, we have a lot of questions, and, and one of those questions was okay, in the immediacy, like let's like let's not stop looking down the road for just a second and just talk about the immediacy. There's a Champions League semifinal that we've been building towards this season. Is it going to suddenly? evaporate and go away and, and a trophy be handed to no one or PSG by default. Uh, it does appear now at least that this year's champions league will play out. Yes. Um, well, Jesper Muller, who was on UEFA's XCO and is the head of the Danish FA, he, he went scorched earth yesterday and said, these, these clubs could be thrown out by Friday. I, I, I you know, I, I can't see how that happens. The legal wheels don't turn that quickly, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, Seraphin talked about snakes yesterday. Oh, uh, look, I mean, I mean, look, it's, it's a weird thing to be crying tears for UEFA and some of these governing bodies. Again, however, not, but, however, but, but, they are, they are well within their rights to, to feel um, that they have been stabbed in the back because that is, it's precisely what happened. You had, I mean, there, there were negotiations going on between these clubs and UEFA over modifications to a champions league, which by the way, wound up still happening because they were being pushed through by these, by some of these 12 clubs, these negotiations were ongoing all the while these guys yeah. were behind the scenes conspiring, knowing that they were never going to be a part of this new champions league that they were pushing for. I mean, this is low, low type stuff. And in and, and as years go on, books will be written and documentaries will be released. And we'll find out, I'm sure, even more filth about how this all played out. It's disgusting, yeah. JJ. Yeah. It, it is. It really was. It really was. Um, on the rundown, you've uh, 
you've gone back to the quote from our friend uh, and listener, Mitch Carr, uh, which said, obviously, there are only villains here. Um, well, the quote from Road to Perdition, which, by the way, is is one of Tom Hanks's most underrated movies. You know, I uh, haven't seen it. It's it's tremendous. I, I actually think you would like it quite a bit. Okay. Uh, but the quote was, there are <laughs> there are only murderers in this room. Right. I mean, well, it's like, you know, one trying to think that he's on the moral high ground over another. And they're all they're all the same, essentially, is is the way that, that it's playing out. Right. But but I do wonder. And the question that I think you were building towards from the rundown is, OK, there are only murders in this room. But but who have emerged as like the supreme murderers who are well, like wanna... the, the, the great villains uh, <laughs> among the villains in this? The, the, you know, I mean, the great supervillains of our time. You're talking Skeletor for me as the great supervillain. He was great. He's just permanently angry and upset. Um, I don't want to step on what we're going to talk with uh, Tarek. I don't know because I do want to ask him, but, but to me, I know we do a podcast every week and sometimes we forget the things we've done or said, but it's only in October. Me and you were talking about what project big picture mm-hmm. project, big picture was going to mean that Liverpool and Manchester United, a host of clubs of the, the big six, just a few uh, would be in charge of the future of English football down the pyramid. And I thought, well, who was at the forefront of that? Who was hand in hand trying to coordinate that push? It was John Henry and Joel Glazer. What's changed now? It seems to be the... It's amazing the Man United-Liverpool angle to this. You know, the hated rivals, but the two chairmen in cahoots on a European Super League. They they would be my supervillains right now. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, look, those are certainly fine choices. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say Andre Agnelli as well. I mean, oh, he has, oh, he's yeah. been, it seems like he's been driving this ship for quite some time. Um, and, you know, what makes his role in this particularly sinister to me is, I mean, read some of the stuff about his relationship and his dynamic with Alexander Seferin, uh, the president of UEFA. And I mean, like godfather to children, like, right. you know, trips together. I mean, they were in deep uh, on a personal how, level. Yeah. Not to go across you. How has Seferin, it's, it's all happened under his nose. He's been completely hoodwinked. Or it appears to be the case that he has. This is a great betrayal. Again, I don't want to go back to Sopranos. It reminds me of Uncle Junior finding out that his capos have been talking behind his back to Tony. And he's basically a figurehead, a lightning rod for the feds, while Tony runs the shadow cabinet of of the Sopranos. If this is true, Olivia, you know, you know what has to happen. And he basically says he'll have to take Tony out. Is is this what's happening? (laughs) That's where the snakes comment came from. Has to be, right? Oh, absolutely. Of course. And that is, I mean, and it's all accurate. It's all, it's all accurate. What was going on behind the scenes here is, is gross. And um, sadly, I, I suppose also not surprising. And one of the things that, that is interesting in talking about this going on uh, under his nose, under Seferin's nose, seemingly all along, like, so I feel like one of the things that has 
come through here is this idea of the pandemic and COVID and money lost during that time. Uh, that's why we are where we are today. These no, clubs, these, lies. And it's, and it's nonsense because we've been, JJ, like we've been talking about the term Super League did not appear in the last year. We've known that term for quite some time. This was always, it feels to me, in the works. Now, maybe, maybe what we'll come to find out is true is maybe there was an acceleration of it. Maybe clubs that had found themselves in, in enormous debt over what's gone on over the course of the past year accelerated it knowing that, okay, JP Morgan are just sitting there with bags of cash waiting for us. We, we have no choice. This is th- this, the story of Manchester city and Chelsea basically being told last week, I guess they were two of the, I don't know if holdouts is quite the right word, but th- it basically came to them last week. Look guys, this is happening. Okay. You're either on board or you're going to get left behind. And I suppose this idea of, Oh, all that money, all that stature. All right. We're in. You know, yep. this, I think that's that's essentially what it came to, which is in some ways interesting to me. And it brings us to a whole nother uh, set of issues with this. I feel like as we keep going deeper, JJ, there's just like new threads that we just keep pulling here. But like, I think about the financial element of this. Right. And, you know, all along what's been going on in my head is I cannot believe like all of 150 years of soccer and traditions and and things that were so good that it's all going to come apart because guys who are billionaires want to be even greater billionaires. Like, I can't believe that it's just that simple. And then I look at Manchester City and I look at the people who own and, and run that club. And I think of the the amount of money that they that they have. Uh, it's it's to a level that is unfathomable. Yeah. To a point where it's almost caused me to start thinking, is there more here that I'm just not smart enough to fully grab onto? Like, well, I, I just can't believe that somebody with that amount of billions of dollars, someone who owns a country and all the wealth that comes with that would be concerned about this. Like, the, it almost seems Andrew, like a drop in a bucket to somebody but, with that kind of money. There has to be something more to it, whether that's power or what, I don't know. But 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 sports washing, I mean, isn't this the ultimate finalization? Like, for those people who believe, uh, many, many people who believe that the P- PSG uh, project and the Manchester City project, the City Football Group project, which is around the world, is a tool to launder the reputation of these states on the world political stage. Um you know, this This is why they probably thought they had to be part of it, because it isn't money. So it's probably a different motivation for Manchester City. Um, now, PSG is interesting. Them being a holdout is interesting to me. Now, they do have, they do have you know, skin in the game with UEFA in terms of the ownership of TV rights. So they, they may not be so anxious to blow things up. So the owner of, of PSG, uh, who is it, Nasser Khalafi, yeah. is also... Uh, the owner of BN Sport, mm. which is is inextricably tied in in many way, many many ways in many many contracts around the world with UEFA uh, and many TV contracts around the world. So, so there's a, there are be, a number of issues there. Yes, um, and and again, like the point because, of because I think many people have looked at PSG and been like, well, let's, wow, this club who we've always held as kind of a villain maybe they're secretly this bastion of good. Um, I think that that's, <laughs> I think that that's a, a, a nice thought, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. I do. I, I can't help but wonder about the, the ties between being sport and UEFA. 
Um, yeah, I don't know, can, I don't can know I, if this is all a sudden moral high ground that they're taking. No, um, we should probably mention that Pep Guardiola spoke in the last hour at his press conference. Uh, it is not sport if the relationship between effort and reward doesn't exist. It is not sport if it doesn't matter if you lose. Now, I'm paraphrasing there. Th- those are the, the key quotes from, um, from Sky Sports News that, they're, that they are, uh, they're putting out there. Uh, David McDonald of The Mirror, he said, uh, he tweets, Man City cut short Guardiola's press conference with many journalists still waiting to ask him about the ESL, even though he was perfectly happy to speak about it, which was interesting. So can we talk uh, about this for a sec? Yes. Because this is another thing that's fascinating to me. The position that guys like Pep, Klopp, Mm. um, and players are now being thrust into. They are now the ones, I mean, like these, the ownership, John Henry, he's not holding a press conference. Like it's, it's, it's these guys that now have to answer. You know, it's going to be. Florentino Perez was pushed out on Spanish, uh, a Spanish TV station today, I guess, and just seemed to ramble said it was for the good of the game, right. uh, talked about shorter games because of the attention spans of 16 to 24-year-olds. Like, you know, you're not going to hear John I'm, Henry. I'm sorry, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready for that conversation. Uh, you're but not like, going to hear from like... John Henry, though, and you're not going to hear from, uh, from Stan Kroenke. There's a lot of guys who are pushing this along behind the scenes but aren't willing to put themselves forward. That's another question for Tarek. Why, why, like, why don't yeah. these guys ever speak? But like, like the League Cup final is this weekend and like presumably there's going to be press conferences like they're going to go on treating it like, oh, la di da League Cup final, nothing else happening in the world. And like, you know, Harry Kane and guys are going to be paraded out there to have to like talk. And he's, Harry Kane is going to be asked questions about the Super League. And it's like, uh, I, I kick, I kick a ball. Like I, I, it, it's, I wasn't it's hilarious. James Milner said last night, um, I don't like the idea of it, and I don't think it, I hope it doesn't happen. Jurgen Klopp was put in an invidious position. He was asked about it. Now, you see, when you're, when you love Jurgen Klopp as much as Liverpool fans do, we want, we know his feelings on the Super League. You know, we want him to torch it to the ground, mm-hmm. but he's not going to do that. Certainly not in Can a I press ask conference. why? Is it fair to ask why he's not going to do that? He's not going to do it right now, I don't think. Well, he, he says he hasn't spoken. Well, first of all, he was preparing his team for Leeds United to, you know, to try and get into the top four. Um, and he says he hasn't spoken to John Henry about it. Um, he, he defend, he's kind of defended the ownership in terms of he said, you know, they're good people. Uh, I'm not sure that has anything to, to do with it. But um, yeah, I was just, come on, Jurgen. Just go after them. Say it's a terrible idea. I mean, Guardiola was much more, much more open and much more willing to speak on his views. Um, like maybe it's unfair. I don't know. Is it fair to ask Klopp straight after a game? About- maybe, it, maybe it is, and maybe I'm projecting what I wish that I had the courage to do if I was someone like that in a situation like this. But like, to a certain extent, guys like Pep and Klopp. They, they've made it like they're at a level now where they, sh- I, I can't believe that they wouldn't feel free to speak their mind because ultimately what's the worst thing that can happen to them. Right. Yeah. What's the worst thing. Okay. I was ch- fire I was- me. Go ahead. Do it. Oh, you did. You fired me. Okay. Uh, hello. I'm Jurgen Klopp. I'm available now. Oh, every single club on earth wants me. Oh, okay. Bye Liverpool. Like what? Speak your mind. Yeah. 
like that's the way I felt. And then I tweeted, I tweeted something about it I, that I was disappointed in Klopp. And then I went back in it. I felt hard. I felt that was maybe a bit harsh. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 the way the way you're talking now is the way I felt watching him. Just, just say it, because as Gary Neville pointed out in Sky Sports, Jurgen, this is against everything Jurgen Klopp stands for in terms of competition, in terms of football. And of I was, ta- I was no talking managers, to no manager would be okay with this. I was talking to Liverpool fans yesterday, and um, I said to one of them, and he thinks he. he he agreed with me. I said, uh, I think this will hasten the departure of Klopp from, from Liverpool if, if this were to go through. Mm-hmm. And may do it may it may damage the may damage his view of what he's doing and what he's there for, you know. Um I think it's already been a testing season for him. and um, we've Certainly. seen him we've seen him in a in, in quite prickly form at times and uh looking Kind of upset and uh, and and sometimes looking lost watching watching his team play, and I I don't think he needs this right now. Now He's what's going to reacted? What's going to be interesting here, along the lines of managers, and now kind of seeping down into the player angle of this, um, I don't know how everyone views the World Cup. I know how I view it personally, and it was sort of for me as an American growing up in a time when there was not a domestic league, in a time when there wasn't really European soccer available on television. Uh, the World Cup was, was truly my introduction as a kid into this sport. And it is sort of the thing in this sport, uh, however corrupt FIFA may get, whatever commercialization we feel that there is around the World Cup, it's sort of the thing in this sport and in all sports that I hold to be on a, on a whole nother level and, and sacred in a, in, in a way unto itself that anything else is in sports. Um, So I think for me, uh, along with the Tottenham angle of this, personally, the idea that the World Cup could in some way now be damaged because of this is is maybe even the number one element for me that I find most unforgivable. This idea of the players who agree to take part uh, in the Super League would be banned from the World Cup. That is a thought that is, you know, like I kind of mentioned the other night on the podcast, like the idea of Messi not suiting up for Argentina at a World Cup is it's ridiculous. and it ruins the World Cup for whatever we view that to be. And so I just wonder, okay, that's how I view the World Cup. How do players view it? Like I was listening to some podcast based in England and you know, the sense that I got from them is that like, they don't, if the money is there from these clubs in the Super League, they'll, and the price they have to pay is they can't play for their national team. The sense that I got from some of these other journalists abroad is they'll pay it. They, oh, these players, know. these players, a lot of these players will pay that price. To me, that's um, that's bonkers. And I feel like once every four years, there will be a mass exodus of talent from the Super League to other leagues around the world so they can get back on their national team pictures. Um, but who knows the way things will be written into contracts. That well, I don't know that to happen. I, yeah. But I just, but I guess my overall question for you, JJ, and you've sort of just answered it there is, do you what do you think? Do you think that that will serve as the the proper deterrent to keep players away? Um. Okay, so we're we're presupposing this happens. This goes ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're yeah. all we're we're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want. I don't think playing for your country still matters. It matters a lot. I. I. I Harry Kane pops into my head right now. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think Harry Kane would would want to be at a club that are, are playing in a league. That means he's not going to be able to represent his country at a World Cup. Don't think so. I really don't. Um, look at look at uh, Declan Rice. Declan Rice ends up at Chelsea, playing in the Super League. Declan Rice may not care <laughs> about my country that he represented three times, but I genuinely get the feeling that internet, you know, it was that 2018 World Cup that that turned his head. I think if England go out in the group stage, he's still a Republic of Ireland player. But I think that whole summer, th- just think about how that summer was for England fans, Andrew. That matters to players. It really, really does. Um, and I think, uh, I, th- God, you're making me, you're making me imagine the this scenario because this. Oh, well, look, me, it's impossible to answer. Worst- it's, it's impossible to answer because every every player will will view it differently. There's yeah, no blank some, and answer to this. Some guys won't give a damn. Sure, give me the how much you're going to pay me? Eight hundred million pounds sure. or whatever. Yeah, okay, bye bye national team. But some guys, like you say, will they won't be able to do it. They won't be able to bring themselves to it. Yeah. To me, it would be a deterrent. Like I saw that, I said, "Woof!" Like that would be. Oh. I, I think that could sink the league, but. I think I'm also being so naive and I, and as I've been listening to other people, I think that maybe I'm, I'm, I am being so naive and feeling that way because I what, saw that and I thought, Oh, well, guys are not going to play there. But, and, and in this imagined landscape of yours that you're projecting into with these questions, are these teams still allowed to compete domestically in their leagues? I know I, I hadn't imagined that in my uh, inception world. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know maybe they're not and it's also did, did you not think as well there is something really really shoddy about and, and, and half-assed about the way they've gone about this thing like the press release I, I don't want to f- focus on, on, on fonts or anything but you get the press release right and it's the Super League and there's a bit of magenta thrown in there. Why is mine in wingdings? <laughs> and you go to the next page and it's a different font. And like, it looks um, excuse like... Excuse me, this picture is clip art. <laughs> and I just thought, okay. And um, I think it's a point Ken, er- Ken Early made as well. And it's a, it's a point you made as well to me in a text message. Like, they, they haven't even shored up all the clubs together. You know, well, they, that's the thing is like, you're talking about the statements. Can we talk about the bigger piece that they keep going on and on about a 15 team league with five invitees? Uh, I, I've only seen 12, everyone. Yeah. Where are the other three? And I mean, look, that's, that's an unbelievable element of this. And that's why I can't wait to have Tarek on the show. Cause I, I want to ask him about that. But like, who are these other three clubs? Because I don't know right now, Right now, as things stand, it's impossible to envision uh, a, a, a 180 from the German clubs. And like I've said all along, if Bayern Munich are not a part of this, instantly a, a good chunk of credibility is lost. Yeah. Same goes for PSG. Now, to me, is it more conceivable that PSG wind up untangling all of their wires from UEFA and finding their way to the Super League? That feels more conceivable to me because I yeah. think PSG's relationship with UEFA is business. And, you know, I think that there, there's more of a way out there as opposed to uh, Bundesliga, which is, like you said, the 50 plus one model where the fans are always have that majority vote. And I just can't see it. 
So Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, RB Leipzig, even. Um, yeah. I can't see uh, it. So then, so then where do we go? Are we talking about FC Porto? Are we talking about Sporting Lisbon? Or are, are, no, are we talking about Benfica? Ajax? I mean, Benfica um, would be the obvious one from Portugal to me with their yeah. support and their history and their stadia, stadium. Um, but then, but Hort- then, but then, even beyond that. So, what about the? So now, okay, let's say we do get to fifteen, but that still leaves the five "quote unquote" invitees, which, by the way, is going to be those teams will be brought in on some kind of formula. We don't even know what that is yet because that was also not part of the statement. Because, like you said, shoddy, not ready to be rolled out. Um, so, what about those teams? Okay, what? Let's say Leicester City win the Premier League uh, and they're invited in, and what if they accept that invitation? Okay, well, now what happens? The Premier League, I assume, will disown them the way that they have the other clubs that are involved with this. But Leicester City are only an invitee into the Super League. So what happens when their invitation expires? Well, now where do they go? So like these clubs that get invited in would be insane. It could be suicide for these teams to decide to join this league. So how are you going to get those five extra teams on a year in, year out basis? Like this is all crazy right now. And there's no TV deal being negotiated either. So the billions they're talking about that they're taking out and uh, generously giving back to the football permit as well, as Joel Glazer told us. Thanks, Joel. Um, That hasn't been sorted. Uh, Oliver Holt tweeted this this morning while we were in bed here in America. Hearing the first cracks may be beginning to appear in the ugly misshapen edifice of the ESL. Uh, told that two English clubs are close to losing their nerve that would be that to me would be City and Chelsea right because Stan Stan Kroenke he's just going to go along with it Spurs are in now look you know with Stan Kroenke for a sec anyone surprised by this I mean this is a guy that moved (laughs) an NFL franchise across the country so like if you're capable of, of doing that you're really to me like I've always said American sports have their flaws I know we don't have a relegation model that, that European fans hold so dear. Uh, but above all else, the one thing in all of sports that angers me is the idea of moving franchises around the country. I think it's awful. So if he can do that, like he's capable to me in a sporting sense, he's capable of anything. I think it's, I think it's city and Chelsea who are the ones who are probably wobbling a little bit. If indeed there is a wobble happening. I mean, I'm also seeing other tweets that uh, from, from other sources saying, Oh no, they're determined. They are pushing ahead with this. What, whatever may come. does make you wonder the rollout of this that we're talking about. If it was, why, like, I guess I, I'm, why now, if they didn't have the full roster of clubs, did they think by rolling it out, it would pressure those who were holding when, out to, oh. to, to hop on board and maybe they've misplayed their hand? Um, um, I, I think, you know, as well, they wanted to get a jump on the, the UEFA Champions League proposals, which they weren't happy with. It didn't go far enough. So let's get it out now before that. Also, By the way, I- we, we should say to everyone that the Champions League is now different. Maybe maybe people have missed that over the last 48 hours, but yeah, on Monday... There's going to be huge- 84 teams in the group stage with 25 groups. <laughs> and uh, no, that's not true, but it is very different. Uh, we should probably get into some detail on that at some point. Uh, but... Um, but yeah, also no fans in stands. So the backlash, do it now before the, don't do it in May. Don't do it at the end of the season when there will be fans in, in the grounds. Don't do it. Do it now. Do it before the protests can happen. And I'm sure like John Henry is well aware of what a, an angry cop looks like. He's seen, he's seen fans, supporters walk out over a Premier League 
uh, ticket hike. Um, so he doesn't, he doesn't, he, he, he knows what can happen if you, uh, and I'm sure he saw it with the, the co- uh, COVID as well, um, with the furloughs and the protests uh, surrounding that. So, um, yeah, to avoid fan and supporter ire, I would think was part of it. Yeah, I guess the question for me with that is um, whether or not they care. Does that matter to them? If there are protests, if there are banners hung in, in the stands, do does that phase them? Or at this point, are they just kind of looking down from their tower and just thinking <laughs> as the I, money I, rolls in? Like again, I'll be I'll be curious to ask uh, Tarek what what level of like thought has gone into this. But to me, it's like weather the storm. Right. If we push through, just keep going onwards. Fans will have to eat it. They'll and have to accept it. I know. And I mean, the question is whether or not they're right. My gut is to say that they're right. And the well, fans will. Um, some some fans will be lost. There's no question about that. But ultimately, people love the sport. And they'll consume what is, like you say, what is fed to them. And if this is how it's fed, there, there's a whole... I mean, look, it may take some time, but a younger generation eventually will only know this the way like you and I mostly maybe you're like a year or two older than me, but like, yeah, we pretty much only know the premier league, um, you know, in terms of like our lifetime as fans, you know, yeah. for me, the champions league, you probably remember the European cup a little bit. I remember more. the first European cup final I watched was 91 in the old format, the knockout format. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so like, so. this is, this is we're now in a generation of of people between the ages of 30 and 40 like in the prime thick of our lives that like really only know this way so they're maybe they're banking on that there will be some rough times but don't worry we it won't hurt your pockets it'll only hurt you from a pr perspective we can we can bear that we can ride that storm out and then eventually it'll just be the way it is and people won't complain about it anymore in fact they'll love it and i don't want that to be true but it I is think true it's tr- I, I believe that that will happen should this go through. I think fans just want their sports. Hmm. I'm not so sure about that one. Uh, all right, JJ. Well, I mean, we, we've gone on and on, and we clearly have like an infinite number of questions here. Uh, and, and we've talked about Tarek Panja of the New York Times and how he's been all over this story. And we're, we're so happy and grateful to have him on the program with us now. Tarek, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, good, good. A little bit frantic. Uh, fun story. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah good, good, good busy. I know. I feel like, I don't know if you ever heard of the show Inside the Actor's Studio, but it was with this guy, James Lipton. And he had like, he had like a pile of index cards from like the table up past his head. And I feel like that's, that's me right now preparing for this interview. I have so many questions about what's going on with this. And I, I guess the first one, the most basic one, um, just like on a scale of one to 10, of just one being, it's not going to happen. Ten being, oh, this is definitely happening. Do you have any sense right now of of where we actually are with the Super League? I think we're closer than we've ever been to a Super League. So we have to we have to say that this idea of a Super League has been mooted for say you know twenty years or so, mm-hmm. uh, and there's been peaks and troughs in terms of um, interest. But right now, today, we're as close as we've ever been. I think it's almost like a turnkey situation. They just need to put the key in and it's ready to go in terms of rules, in terms of financing. 
um, th these guys are, are ready to go. What what they where they're stuck, I guess, is the um, the level of opposition, which it's hard to think they didn't expect this. They couldn't have expected this. Right. I mean, this is the biggest change in living memory to 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 to, to the game of football because essentially will downgrade, uh, you know, dozens of leagues and hundreds of soccer teams is pretty much cannon fodder for a group of elite football teams. So th this is huge. Uh, how close are we? I mean, I wax and wane throughout the day, depending on what's happening. They're so determined. I mean, the letter they sent to Infantino and uh, FIFA president Gianni Infantino and, and UEFA's um, Alexander Seferin was, um, you know, uh, it was with a velvet glove, but with, a, with an iron fist behind it. They have already uh, got the lawyers in motion. They've already filed in several courts to protect themselves from any comeback here. Mm. What's certain is football won't be the same ever again because a ton of relationships are broken here. Mm -hmm. A lot of enmity, a lot of bad blood. Um, and these are big institutions. We're talking Real Madrid, Liverpool, Manchester United, Juventus. These are big, important cultural institutions. We've seen their their, their images um, sullied here. So, so, so JJ, so, I'm sorry. I just have, I have a quick follow up to that because there was something that you said that I wanted to kind of grab onto for a sec. The idea of um, we're at a point where they could almost turn the key and we're ready to go. The financial structure is in place. You said what they didn't expect was the, was the PR blowback. But the other thing I'm wondering about, we've got 12 clubs involved right now. Um, so the idea of them being able to turn the key and ready to go, it, it's interesting to me because where are the other clubs? Is it is it almost um, a fait accompli that these other three mystery clubs will be on board? Uh, I mean, where, where do they stand with that? Were they were they prepared for that element of this? It's a, it's a really good good question. That um, by by that I meant the you know, rules etc. in place, the financing mm. in place. You're, you're talking about the important thing, the teams actually <laughs> playing this in this thing, and and it is a good question. I've you know there's been a document that's been doing the round, which, which had PSG, uh, Borussia Dortmund, and Bayern Munich uh, given extra time to sign up to this. Um, they haven't yet. But this afternoon, when are we recording? What day is it today? Tuesday. Um, Nasser Al-Khalifi, the, the, the PSG president, said he will not do this uh, if it's not endorsed by UEFA. So that, 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 that's nailed his colours to the mast there. The Germans, uh, Borussia and, and Bayern Munich, came out yesterday to say something similar. But, but, but there, there, there must be contingencies here for... You just need to pick off a few teams in Europe. And there are massive... This is the thing with this project. You know, they've already included teams from England, Spain and, um, and Italy, which is really strange. If you're yeah. going to do a pan-European project, right, which is going to be financed with big money, you're, you're looking at a pan-European market. I, I really don't understand why they didn't, even in terms of hearts and minds, go to Turkey, for example, Fenerbahce, millions of supporters, Galatasaray. Benfica in, in Portugal has a global following. It's just they're, they're small markets compared to, 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 to Italy, Spain, and particularly England. But then you're also looking at Glasgow Celtic, Glasgow Rangers, right. millions, of, millions of supporters here. I think the idea hasn't been thought through correctly in terms of what they're trying to do. Is this a European Super League or is this a, a, you know, a team with, with a few teams from... Um, Spain, Italy, and England, which is what it seems like. I, I feel like um, they've missed a trick here. 
there's um apart from the press release there was a shoddy feel to it for all the time that they've they've spent uh, trying to do this and and they've been talking about it behind the scenes for a long long time um one key element though uh Tarek what about a tv deal um amazon just came out and uh issued a statement and said that they knew nothing about it they're not involved in it and they I'm paraphrasing here. They stand against it, whatever that means. That they're they're not for it. What about a TV deal? Have you have you heard anything uh, about that? Uh, again, I'd be surprised if Amazon hadn't heard anything about this. Not that they were going to sign up, but they hadn't heard anything about it. The, these companies are paying billions of dollars into the same ecosystem as I suppose we are. You and I are. I mean, mm. I've heard of it. So uh, you know, these guys are closer to 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 this gang than 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 I am now. The as far as I'm as far as I've heard, um, they have talked to TV companies, but the people they've talked to counterparties. In fact, everyone involved in this have ha- has had to sign a non-disclosure agreement, as, as they've been involved in negotiations. Mm-hmm. I know another West Coast platform, perhaps, um, which is perhaps very popular as well, has been involved in, in talks with, with with this group. Now, J.P. Morgan has provided a uh, four billion dollar or four billion euro um, debt financing to get this off the ground that is okay. contingent on a, a television deal I don't think these people will have announced if they didn't have some of this in place or at least um, almost certain that they had something like this in place in terms of TV I'm sure everyone is going to run away from this now because you're seeing you're seeing the backlash right now today Tuesday but that doesn't mean they, they weren't in talks and weren't um, maybe not committed in writing but committed enough to, to make these people feel brave um, one thing you mentioned about the shoddy press release that for me a lot of this is mind-boggling in terms of what they what they say they're going to do these are the saviors according to Florentino Perez the Real Madrid president of mm. world football without them he was trying to say the global game as we know it will collapse this is what he was saying mm. so something this seismic this important now would you rush out a press release at midnight in Europe where most of your teams are based when everyone, when the fans who attend your stadium are pretty much asleep, would you do that? Probably not, right? No. And secondly, we haven't heard from anyone involved in this project from an executive level, except Florentino Perez, who appeared at, on a late night tabloid trashy talk show in Spain, again around midnight when everyone is asleep again. Mm-hmm. If these people are the professionals that we think they are, that they've got this all worked out, what the hell are you doing with your presentation? This is a hearts and mind project as much as it is a money project right yes. now. In fact, it is more a hearts and mind project given the reaction. What are they doing? Well, okay, so uh, I suppose branching out from that, it's only October since we saw Project Big Picture. And the two driving forces behind that were... Um, Joe Glazer and John Henry. Um, Now, I would have thought that these two are the key driving forces behind the European Super League, uh, along with Agnelli. Is that not the case, Tarek? No. Yes and no. This is a project that is being marshaled by Florentino Perez uh, from Real Madrid. 
Okay. He has enlisted a, uh, with the help of a company called Key Capital Partners, also based in Madrid. The Super League company is registered in Madrid. Right. The relationship with JP Morgan and and um, and this group is with Real Madrid, um, and, and 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 that's the driving force. That said, Joel Glazer and the guys at Liverpool were lockstep with him. Were have spent a lot of their own time devising the system, devising um, the way this is going to work from a regulatory standpoint as much as a competition standpoint. They they are very very embedded in this. This wasn't someone knocking on the door and say, "Hey lads, do you fancy this?" Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're firmly involved. And Yelly, and Yelly's a very very interesting one. Um, he was described as a as a snake, I suppose. Well, as a snake by Alexander Seferin, yeah. the, the the UEFA president on on Monday. And I don't know, you know, there, there is enmity there because the two men were so close. And Yelly, we asked, I asked him about this in in March, not not a few weeks ago, and he just brushed it off. He said, I, "These are rumours." And I said, "Well, they're not. But we've seen the documents." And he said, "Well, you know, I, they're keeping me away from this stuff, as though they." They'd had him in some sort of hermetically sealed room where he couldn't be infected by 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 the by the um, fumes of a super league. But you know he he's he's been involved in this, and I don't know. It takes some gall to be the president of the European Club Association, an umbrella group representing the interests of more than two hundred of European football's biggest teams or top division teams. And then be doing the dirty on the in the in the background. And at that press conference or that meeting, he also we also asked him about um, the Swiss model, the reformed Champions League. Yes, two years in the making, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and, and quite a few cuss words as well, I suppose. Over the years, it's been it's been so hard to get to this point. He described the model not more than three weeks ago as a beautiful model, one that he supported. That's right. Seferin called him on Friday and on Saturday, and he said, yep, I'm in. And he asked him, can we endorse this publicly? And he said, let me get back to you. And he turned his phone off. And the next thing we know is that a Super League has been launched on on Sunday. And the vice president is Agnelli. What to make of that? Tarek, I mean, we're in the infancy of this, but there is a book to be written here. You got to get on this. Like this is this is this stuff is unbelievable. One thing I'm curious about. Um, so, I'm sure this group of twelve knew that there was going to be backlash to this. Obviously, they knew UEFA was going to be furious, and I'm sure they knew that the clubs who were not a part of this were going to be furious for the damage it was going to cause. Was there an obliviousness among these owners running these clubs? to their own fans are do you think they're surprised today that it seems like the majority of of their own fans seem to be against this as well no no and you mentioned liverpool manchester united and project big picture that you know to use one of your you know they've been they've seen this rodeo before or whatever the phrases you guys use over there um the the, the this 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 project big picture big picture backlash in october was immense was huge, but it was yeah. consigned and confined to the to, to, to the UK. Mm-hmm. This is now on steroids, right? You're trying to bring down world football rather than sort of privatise um, the English Premier League into the hands of five or six teams. 
how they there's a playbook for this. They saw what happened. They've hired consultants. That this this has been going on for months. Surely the experience of what happened then would have prepared them for what's to come here. I suppose it, you know, like I said, the dimensions are slightly bigger. You have you know FIFA involved, UEFA involved. You have um, uh, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has is, is, got very involved in this, talking about legislation, etc. You had Emmanuel Macron in France uh, coming out, Euro- European Commission, etc. The dimension is bigger, but the the message is very similar. The, the slap in the face is very similar. But 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 we also have to consider who these people are. These are ruthless businessmen. Mm. These aren't weak characters. Mm. We're talking about billionaires from the United States who have faced up to fans before. Don't forget how the Glazers arrived in Manchester. Don't forget how popular or unpopular the Glazers remain in Manchester. Mm. Um, Then you're talking about Roman Abramovich, a man who is uh, perhaps one of the most famous oligarchs from from Russia, who made his money in the the wild east capitalism of of post-Soviet Russia, who counts um, Vladimir Putin among his closest friends or, or allies, right? And then we're talking about dictators or, or, or autocrats from the Gulf. Th- these aren't just um, you know people who ran a car showroom and get nervous. Um, they're probably faced up to big, big scenarios in their life before. But I suppose what's galling for the football fans here is, or certainly the English football fans, I mean, that's something we might want to talk about. Who are the fans? because yeah. they see a market here, obviously. But certainly for the, what's galling is they really don't care what the domestic fan base seems to think about this, because the reaction was obvious. You know, in Liverpool, you saw a banner pretty much decrying the end of the football club. Um, you know, 1892 to 2021, here lies Liverpool Football Club. Uh, phone-in shows with um, season ticket holders saying they're not going to renew um, their tickets. They don't want to attend the games, the level of disgust is extremely high, but they would have known this. Um, I'm imagining, I'm projecting into the future here. So um, let's do the immediate future. Uh, Joseph Muller uh, from Exco and uh, Danish FA said that the uh, rebel clubs that remain in the Champions League will be thrown out by Friday. Do you see that happening? That is that even possible legally? Uh, Legally, I, I don't know. You know, you've got mechanisms there. You've got CAS. And we're mm. in a bit of uh, uncharted territory here as well, aren't we? Um, but even if it was possible, I think it's a it's a threat. It's a threat to sort of focus the mind, but I just don't think they would do it. I think there are TV contracts in place. I think there is both um, sporting necessity and commercial necessity to ensure this happens. But, you know, it won't. there won't be... Um, you know, fun handshakes and handing over the trophy to the to the to the people who want to destroy your your competition. No. I think it's just such a such a bizarre situation. Uh, they'll probably be hoping, I guess. Um, and uh, who'd be saying this? They're probably yeah, UEFA probably hoping that PSG win the European Cup. I mean, again, how weird? So how strange. weird is this? Given you know, given the the, the kind of damage Qatari money and and, and Paris Saint Germain's emergence has kind of done to the balance of, of, of European football, but. In order to keep it together, it's PSG, who many people we hope will win the European Cup. What a, what a strange world we're suddenly living in. 
The bullet point number two on the in the shoddy press release, as we shall now call it, was about how that they'd continue these Super League teams would continue to play in their domestic leagues. That's surely yeah. impossible. You, it's a, it's a really difficult one. This, whatever happens, if this thing goes ahead, whatever happens, the driving the value. Of, of these domestic competitions disappears. So we can look at that in two ways. Kick them out and you have, um, so let's look at the Premier League. It's probably the best one because it's the one that will be the most damaged given the, the number of teams. Hmm. Six of your, your biggest draws are going to disappear from the Premier League. The Premier League is successful, has been successful because of its domestic TV contract, but also its global domestic TV contract. And that's been driven by uh, these, particularly Manchester United and Liverpool, I would say. Now, that money has allowed the Premier League teams, not only Man United and Liverpool, but you can count Burnley and um, Southampton, etc., to buy players who would be thinking about or pay salaries equivalent to even AC Milan or, or um, Valencia or, or big teams of Marseille, Bigger than those, buying players from those teams. So the English league has done quite well out of out of that. The 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 the, the money has trickled down to, to teams. Crystal Palace having yeah. Ben Peke, etc. From he's not doing very well, but they spent twenty seven million odd, odd pounds on on, the, on this striker. Take that out. Take these teams out. That, that devalues that competition. It will have to sort of grow from the ashes again. Um, competitively, it might be really interesting. Yes. For, for, for those of us who kind of follow the football, I suppose, rather than the marquee names, it could be, um, it'll be a Phoenix story, won't it? Uh, but the money will, will, will disappear. Keep them in, and you already you have a very boring competition. These, these six teams that are going to sort of dip into the Premier League uh, after playing the midweek um, Super Duper Cup, they... they will have so much more spending power than, than they already have, but even more. Um, they will also, their emergence or the emergence of this competition will also mean that there are no real European places up for grabs because it diminishes. Should UEFA continue to limp along with a, a Champions League or a Europa League, that competition is totally dim diminished. There isn't really what, what value is there in, in that. Hmm. So what you're talking about is the end of the race for Europe. So as we sit here today recording your show, what's the most compelling narrative the Premier League has from now until the end of the season? Manchester, Manchester City appear to run away with the title. So that looks pretty gone. Dead, dead, dead rubber, that. who's going to win that? Relegation battles, they're, they're kind of interesting, but you know, you pretty much know who's going down. Right. However, that race for Europe, particularly the... Champions League spots is fascinating. Leicester City could be there again. They've had a great season. And West Ham. Yeah. They seem to be the team that has really overperformed in this pandemic period, maybe because they find they find playing in front of their own fans so nerve-wracking. Yeah. Uh, well, West Ham have really, really kind of they've come into their own. Play. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, they're playing extremely well. And imagine. If you're a West Ham fan sat at home 
or if you're a neutral, it's really exciting. Aston Villa as well have had a really good season. Yeah. But all of this is kind of rendered meaningless if there isn't anything at stake. Yeah. Sport, football kind of stirs the emotion thanks to the competition, thanks to the sense of jeopardy. Take all that away and you're kind of going to watch, I don't know, gymnastics or the ballet, these very good athletes doing remarkable things. And then you follow that to the logical conclusion. We're just left with a world of clips, back heels, good shot, good goal. What is there? It's kind of very superficial then, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Tarek, last one from me. You've been so generous with your time. I know how busy you are. We could we could keep you here all day doing this. But um, I guess I've just been curious. You can tell, I think, from talking with JJ and I, we are obviously, we are not for this. We are not happy about this in the least. And that's been the response from from our audience at large. But I'm just wondering, in your reporting, the other side of this at any point in talking with the clubs involved uh, beyond the idea of what's in our head, this is greed and money and nothing else. Has anybody at some point from one of these clubs said to you, no, 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 here's why we need to do this. Have you heard any compelling argument that actually caused you to stop and consider the whole thing for a minute? Yeah, I've tried to, but I'm really finding it hard to. And one of the other things is they, they, they haven't actually enlisted any advocates for them, which is really strange. Even even if even on a commercial level, there's no one talking up for them while they're in hiding. I mean, where, where are the Glazers? Where where's Henry? You know, they're, they're leaving exposed. Their players and managers who, who are criticizing this this event, which they're which their owners have signed up to. Again, that's a, just another bizarre situation. And then I heard Florentino on on television uh, yesterday. And he, he described a kind of a trickle-down scenario saying, we're going to buy players from, from, from you. So we, we're, going to, we're going to save you by putting money in your teams. That's saying that the rest of European football will act as a farm for, for, for these 20 teams or 15 teams. That's not a compelling reason. And then he said, um, well, this is about saving football through um, something called a solidarity payments. Now, these right. exist. These exist. Now, he's correct if he uses the word solidarity and says, we will be paying more than UEFA. That's correct. I've done a bit of a back of a cigarette packet calculation. It works out at 435 million euros a year that the Super League will, will send down to, to European football. It doesn't say where it will go, but it will go down. UEFA uh, delivers about half of that in solidarity payments, but, but you need to get into the detail. Um, so allow me to get a little bit nerdy here. You, UEFA, with the Champions League and Europa League, is paying prize money to 64 teams, not 20 teams. So all of that money disappears, right? So 44 teams that are currently getting prize money, not solidarity money, won't be getting anything, right? So you have that. The other thing, and we kind of talked about this earlier, it completely devalues the proposition of the domestic competitions compared to what they are today. So those enormous TV deals that the Premier League gets, Bundesliga, um, Serie A and La Liga, they'll be completely diminished. So the money that the teams are getting today will be severely reduced because of this. So if you add it all together, all they're offering is crumbs compared to how much they're taking away. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's solidarity. Yes, it's more than UEFA, but it won't in any way 
cover the cover up the damage that this thing will create to, to the value and to the finances of these teams beneath them. Tarek, last one from me. If you'll uh, if you'll indulge me, let's let's do a thought process, a best case and worst case scenario as football fans. What is the best case scenario of how this current moment finishes? And what's the worst case? Or or maybe you've already outlined outlined the worst case right there. Yeah. I think it's a best case. I think it's started to focus the minds. I think we've been heading in this direction for about 20 years. Mm. Sport, these football teams are more than businesses, but they, there was never any safeguards for them. Anyone can come and own them. Right. Anyone can come and do whatever they want with them. And now there's suddenly governments around Europe are waking up and saying, hang on, this, we have to put a stop to this. But my, my, my frustration a little bit with this is... Imagine you know there's a building that is going to catch fire. You know it's going to catch fire unless you, you put safeguards in, you, 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 chain, you, you, you take action to prevent this fire from raging. What we've got here is a fire now is raging and 50 fire engines are now on the way to, 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 to douse it and to now fix this problem. Say, well, I can't believe this has happened. We're going to have to do something. Governments were told about this. Yes. UK... Elsewhere, the, what, the European Union has been asleep as well on protecting what is a um, an asset for 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 the millions of people who live in Europe. So, the positive spin is perhaps now they're waking up and we're going to see some safeguards. We're going to see football protected in in a, in a way. And maybe maybe I, I wouldn't uh, hold my breath on this. We can find a way of making it competitive again. Because right. one thing we haven't talked about, maybe you can argue that some people would argue. So, well, we kind of already have a a quasi super league these teams are big enough and they're always in the champions league more or less they're always in the latter stages maybe we'll find a better way of distributing some of that cash it will upset a lot of these owners no doubt because they they they've invested in these teams thinking they you know they've got these great assets forever and ever they can sort of milk them and they're always going to be big but maybe we're going to find another way of managing football that might make it more interesting, more appealing, and have um, more of a fan's perspective uh, in this. Worst case scenario, you're going to have a, a Super League, you're going to have diminished domestic competitions, and you're going to have, um, you know, a couple of years before you think, God, this is boring. Didn't I watch Barcelona v um, Inter last week? And oh, God, it's Liverpool Manchester United again. Yeah. Uh, you know, can't we, you know, going to turn over, watch, um, watch, watch Netflix or watch something else? So football has to really protect itself. From, from from the hubris, I think it's in danger of eating itself. And projects like this just make you think, yeah, I might be right here. It's a potentially bleak picture. Hopefully, I don't know, hopefully there's some 12th hour savior here to, to fix this. But who knows? This story is wild and it's developing at about 100 miles an hour. Tarek, I know you've been busy covering this. You've done an amazing job at the New York Times. We, we've seen you know, all your articles there on Twitter as well. Uh, thanks so much. We appreciate it, really. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, guys. Tarek Panja, New York Times. Wow. Uh, That's yeah, um, potentially bleak uh, if, if your worst case scenario is, is reality um, or his worst case scenario. We'll, we'll have to see a couple of things real quickly off of what he said, and then we'll get to your mailbag. Uh, Mourinho got fired like that also happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, just like the idea he's talking about this, and you and I have touched on this, but like PSG, and like the thought of them 
standing up on the stage hoisting the Champions League trophy and just like the world celebrating is so funny. And it's just the total antithesis of what the, in the dark night, JJ, like the most famous quote to come out of that movie is what you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I've never really stopped to consider the complete opposite of that. You either die a villain or live long enough to see yourself become the hero. Like that's <laughs> PSG are living that right now. But, it's crazy. But, by the way, how warped are our football minds that PSG, considering who owns them in this narrow moral world, are the good guys? Like- it's, it's wild. And then the other thing he talked about that was interesting to me because, you know, my I have an American brain. It's in my, my American, American skull. brain. And so he was talking about how the ashes of what's left behind in the Premier League could actually wind up being really interesting and in seeing how it reshuffles and which teams thrive. And all I can think about, JJ, is when the mass exodus occurred from the big East in college basketball. And people were like, well, what, like, what is going to be the rubble that is left of this conference? And it rose up and it created new powers. I mean, Villanova after the the big East, as we knew it uh, with Syracuse and UConn and all these teams, Louisville, like after they all left Villanova, then went on and won two championships. That's right. And like Creighton and Butler and like these other teams rose up and became like national powers to a certain extent. Uh, and, and so it's, it's very interesting. Like you don't know who money will still be poured into the premier league. I, I don't, be, I believe that there's enough of a brand value there that like, you'll still have teams that are, are, you know, wealthy clubs and can still buy talented players, especially if, if the world cup deterrent comes through players who will want to go back. I mean, who like Everton and you know, who knows what kinds of clubs could what rise about- up and become global powers in their own right. And then by the way, really sorry here, I'm going long on a crazy tangent, but like really looking down the line, these clubs that form the super league, like we see what they're capable of. They will eat each other. Yes. Okay. One of these clubs, like if Tottenham is just getting pounded year after year, and it feels like they're not holding up their end of the bargain, they're terrible. They're a punching bag where they're not bringing in TV ratings. Like, and all of a sudden Everton are flying in the premier league. The super league will eat each other and Tottenham, something will happen. They'll be out. Everton will be ushered. In. Like, like I can see all this happening. Well, you are living in a Rick and Morty style uh, football future scape. Um, what what's in my mind is if 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 those teams aren't in the Premier League, they're expelled from the Premier League. The Premier League's reformed. What of Celtic and Rangers? What of Celtic and Rangers? Two enormous clubs. Do they now just do what maybe everyone's talked about? I don't think has ever seriously been you know put on paper or planned out. Do Celtic and Rangers join the Premier League? Do they fill in for two of the giants? Let go. I mean, there there are no crazy thoughts anymore. Big, I mean, Celtic sure, that's... and Rangers. I mean, can, what happened? What happens to you? You know, they need European football. Right. What happens to Sligo Rovers? You know, Sligo Rovers kept going uh, those years that they won the cup and those years that they won the league, Andrew. You know, you know those payments that Tarek was talking about? They don't get them anymore under the new system. And that money, those thousands that come in for winning, like beating the Albanian champions to get through the first round proper of the right. Europa League. Do you know how much what that does to Sligo Rovers? That means they can budget for two years. Look at look at the Dundalk, as you call them. Look at what happened to them. They got seven million for making the group stage of the Europa League. Poof. Gone. We could probably do four hours on this, but at a certain point, I guess we kind of have to cut it. Now, we, we do have uh, a mailbag where we ask yeah. guys, you know, girls and everybody out there listening, um, 
who are dealing with the fan issues that we were dealing with to, to weigh in. And I'm, I'm curious, JJ, what some of the responses were. I have not actually seen these yet. Good Lord. I mean, the response has been unbelievable. You, you haven't even bothered to check the, the email. The I know you sent it to me earlier and, and I was like, you know what? I, I saw the first couple and I was like, you know what? I kind of want to just go into some of these like fresh. And By the just way, react. if this was a test for, for the European Super League, it's failed. There isn't a single listener that has contacted us amongst there's there's been I've been it's been a deluge, Andrew, an absolute deluge. So let's get straight to it. Um uh Flo Kai. Uh so we had a bit of back and forth. First time listener, welcome, welcome, how are you? Didn't check uh your backgrounds, first time listener, but I assumed none of you grew up in European the European football scene. Sorry if I was mistaken. The suggestion that you could switch team seemed very weird european fans normally protest show dissent in other ways and so he was kind can, of I, can i address that because that, that's your clearly passion. directed at me a because right. i'm obviously american and b because i had said so i'm just gonna uh, i'm done with man fulham. city i'm just a fulham fan now uh i would say this that is also extremely weird in the united states i know right now american sports are kind of like in the crosshairs of european fans because american sports are being viewed as like the model that the super league is following and and we're evil and we're horrible and so on and so forth uh that is also weird in the united states people don't just switch teams here either i was saying that flippantly that was like meant to be said lightly almost as a joke of like how ridiculous this situation is that fans are now being put in in these places where they have to make these kinds of of judgments like obviously that that's i don't think that's normal in any country among fan bases and it's not normal in the united states either uh, it was mainly just a flippant comment i i'm not going to stop uh be, i'm not going to stop being a liverpool fan and then take up you know uh, Leeds or Burnley or something right. like that. That's not that's not happening. I just probably won't watch this new league. Um, uh, Modern Rocker, I view the Super League as the MLSification of Europe. With that, my interest in pro football would officially end alongside my support for Manchester City. I always have the sport to love to play, but watching the sport and its drama would be gone. That That is the general tenor of what people are saying. Not so much the MLSification. Uh, MLSification of Europe, but that, well, the, dra- the drama and as Tarek said, the jeopardy's gone. One comment of that. So like he said, the jeopardy's gone, the MLSification of Europe, um, which is <laughs> such an, an unbelievable thought. Uh, it's just like wild to think that like they're modeling themselves after MLS. But at any rate, when, we're, when Tarek was talking about what happens now this season in the Premier League is all about the battle for top four. Everything else is essentially decided. So what sort of drama would we be left with if that was taken away? I believe if this all happens and we all continue down this road, uh, to a certain extent, the MLSification, at least at the Premier League, will continue because you're right. There won't be that sort of drama. And I believe that they will consider this is purely in my own head. I have heard this nowhere, but I believe to create that drama that will have been taken away, they will create some sort of playoff to end the season with. Like what is almost like what you see in the championship, except more so to actually crown the, a title in the Premier League. I think you'll get a playoff to do that. Uh, Wayne Andrews is in um, Italy. Uh, he asked a couple of questions, but I think Tarek touched on most of them. So, um, so that's good. He said, there's a lot of permutations and legalities to pack, unpack on all this. I'm in Naples, Italy, and the response has so far been subdued here. Which That's I very found, interesting yes. because we have been looking at this through Premier League goggles, a league that is, by most accounts, thriving, interest for it globally, thriving, the health of the league, we thought, thriving. Um, I, don't, I don't know if everyone in all of these leagues involved fans feel that way. 
Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'd like, I'd like a bro. I mean, you know, how passionate Italian football fans are. I mean, you think of the argument over the, the difficulty that uh, Liga Serie A got in, in trying to hammer out a TV deal. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to them now? I mean, those, those TV deals down the line are just going to shrink. Um, Ryan McIlvan, uh, gents, I appreciated your stream of consciousness, consciousness group therapy session Sunday night, and I was right there with you, reeling, feeling really down and deflated about all of this, as I'm sure so many of your listeners did too. For me, a day later, anger has clarified things. I've rooted for Liverpool and Barca, real, uh, brackets really messy, so he's, he's a Liverpool supporter that loves Messi for years, right. not decades. It won't, be hard for, it, it won't be hard for me to say farewell if it comes to it. But of course, I sympathize with people whose club is truly melded with their identity, which is a good, a good point to make. I'll throw my weekends all the more into MLS, into a league at least fitfully dedicated to parity, which equals sustainability long term. I'm convinced of it. The one, these one percenters of football can have their Bastille, but I look for any and every opportunity to storm it. Oh, my God. Or I'll just, or I'll just ignore it, which amounts to the same thing. I wouldn't watch a second of a greed league, obviously. More than that, I'd root for FIFA and UEFA and they're playing full of lawyers to make good on their threats and then make them stick. Out of the leagues, out of the World Cup, everything, scorched earth. uh, Timidity here would mean capitulating to people who've already chosen the bottom line over the sport. Again, where are we where FIFA and UEFA are playing the role of conquering hero? PSG running arm in arm with the presidents of FIFA and UEFA as our our saviors. (laughs) Um, what, where, what is going on Dan uh, contacted us and he is a Canadian Chelsea supporter I came to Chelsea in the mid 2000s after seeing quite a few Portuguese players move to the team I am Portuguese Canadian and I have been supporting them since when the news of the ASL broke it made me upset that this is the path that they decided to go down although frustratingly not surprised the idea of supporting them now Chelsea makes me feel very uncomfortable so much so that I don't think I can wear the shirts anymore. And the Chelsea phone case has already been replaced. Well, that is the, the ultimate statement is to get rid of the phone case. The idea of wearing that blue actually made me feel ill. I'm not under the illusion that things in this world don't evolve. Football is no exception. But the ESL just feels wrong from every way I look at it. I still have my first love, Sporting Club de Portugal. You're, take, you're taking the venom out of it a little bit, Dan, when you say you'll still have your first love. And my local team, Toronto FC, but feeling like having lost Chelsea is a gut punch. Yeah. You see, I, I, I do think if your first love is uh, sporting, then sporting is your team, okay? And, and you can, you'll be okay, clearly, getting over the loss of Chelsea. Finally, and, um, and this just came in right before we recorded on Instagram. Um, this one really gets to the heart of it. You talk about Premier League goggles. Well, these are goggles of a different kind. Um, marketing... Uh, contacted us hello andrew or jj sorry to bother you so late but i've just listened to the latest podcast i would like to only further the effect that this has on smaller clubs i am from ukraine and as much as the smaller club uh he he's written his smaller club name uh is it Shakhtar donetsk it's Donetsk, but he's written it in Ukrainian. He doesn't know it in English. You so don't I, speak Ukrainian, JJ? Here, show <laughs> me. I'll, I'll, I'll decipher it right now. Uh, so locally, we, we are thought of similarly to the likes of City or PSG to our shady ownership. Oh, it must be Shakhtar. 
However, ever since I was a child, the games I always look forward to most were the European ones. Although we play a multitude of skillful teams, such as the likes of Celtic, Basel, etc., it was always the games against the likes of PSG, Bayern or Barcelona, which I remember the most fondly, even when we get battered and seemingly walked off the pitch. Those are the games in which the cheers are the loudest and the fans scream drown out just about every other sound in the world. Similarly, the clashes of giants, especially when Sheva was, uh, Shevchenko was playing, uh, were always the ones which packed the bars to the walls which in turn allowed me to sneak in and watch the game amidst the chaos. I'm afraid that with this new league, this has come to an end and that I will not be able to spread the same sort of joys with my kids. And furthermore, like in a lot of post-Soviet states, where one of the only bright spots in life is football, we will be looked over to only line the pockets of those who already seemingly have everything. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate your strong stance your ability to talk about it. And I finally apologize for this long message. Please don't apologize. Uh And I would like to apologize to everyone that I couldn't spend an hour, two hours reading out all your correspondence. It's been overwhelming. It's been really nice. Um, And uh, it's been the only good part of the news that broke on Sunday morning uh, via Andrew Gundling, who spread it like wildfire to me and then to you. I blame Andrew for what's happening. Oh my goodness. Keep your, I mean, by all means, we will continue to be that ear that you need to shout at. So keep your, your tweets and emails, uh, keep them coming. Cause this, like we said with Tarek, like this story is just going to be developing at an unbelievable rate. And so we're going to continue talking about it before we get out, JJ. I mean, God almighty, <laughs> we had other stuff to talk about. Like I mean, the idea a week ago that Jose Mourinho could be fired the week of a cup final and it's a footnote in our podcast. If you had told me that, I would have said, good Lord in heaven, what what could have possibly happened to cause something like that? Little did I know, something of seismic um, importance has European happened. European football, yeah. Yeah, uh, that happened. But yeah, Jose Mourinho was fired by Tottenham Hotspur um, early on Monday, ending... Uh, a tumultuous reign over the club. His 13 losses in all competitions this season, it's the most he's ever had. His 10 league losses, also a career high for him. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess it's it's all, sadly, for, for Tottenham, it's all too fitting that he's going to be leaving them as the only club where he's never won a trophy. Uh, he just, he got tottenham Like, this is just like... It could only end this way, I suppose. Now it's funny because like he, he could have won one this coming week. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but they made the decision to get rid of him now. Uh me of cynical mind saw that decision and the timing of it with the uh the timing that uh, with the announcement that had just come out of Tottenham's involvement in the Super League and the unbelievable backlash that they were receiving. I mean, the Tottenham Supporters Trust was one of the first supporters groups I saw that put out a really harsh statement against it. Um, so I couldn't help but wonder if they knew, okay, we have a, a highly unpopular manager. Um, we ha- This is the week of a cup final. Let's throw the fans some chum here. Get that guy out. Bring in, oh, I don't know, Ryan Mason, who's just like a, a lifelong Tottenham fan who was forced to retire at age 26, who, who is beloved still at Tottenham. Let's get him in uh, and, and be our manager to lead us out for a cup final against Manchester City and see if we can get fans back on side. Like that, that is how I kind of took the news. Maybe that's too cynical, although I don't even know if it's possible to be too cynical right now in this uh, in this landscape. But that that was how I read into it. Not to say that Jose Mourinho didn't deserve this. I mean, the results had, had clearly they were clearly trending in a direction uh, where things were not going to be getting better. And, you know, like I've talked about in, in past weeks since 
Tottenham, since the storyline of dropped points has emerged for Tottenham, but they've dropped 20 points from winning positions. Uh, again, they were leading Everton 1-0 on Friday, gave that away, wound up coming back to at least get the 2-2 draw, but that draw essentially settled their hopes of reaching top four status. Uh, you know, like, like I've said with Mourinho, the idea of giving points away from winning positions, if he's not holding on to leads, then what, then what's he doing here? What and is so, his purpose? Right. So I think it became almost untenable. Um, look, in the end, I know that I will be a punching bag for a lot of people with how this played out because I did choose to get on board when it was announced. Um, you know, the idea of Mourinho being a, a specialist in hardware and silverware and this idea that Tottenham maybe we're in the dying kind of like the, the dying embers of what was essentially the Pochettino era and that group of players. Okay. It's going in, in this negative direction, but maybe we can get this guy in here who knows how to take these things over the line. And before this era really does die off, maybe he can grab something for them uh, in terms of winning a trophy. Um, and in the end, that was a calculated risk that has obviously proven to be incorrect with it, with an asterisk, because again, they're in a, cu a cup final this coming weekend, which you can roll your eyes at it all you want. It counts as a trophy and who are Tottenham right now, who haven't won anything since 2008 to be rolling their eyes at any silverware. So, you know, there is that caveat, but ultimately winning a league cup um, in a season that has gone the way that it has for Tottenham, it'll feel good on Sunday. Should they do it? But overall, no one is going to look at this as a good season or that the trajectory of the club was headed in the right direction. And so for me personally, the, the Europa League defeat to Zagreb, that was like we've talked about, that was my last straw. That, that was broke the me. Yeah, that that on the heels of just having blown a lead against Arsenal, um, you know, that that week was the week that truly broke me and said, OK, this is whatever this experiment was. It's not working. He's alienating players. The club is headed in, in the wrong direction and this is, this probably needs to end. And so it has, uh, where they go next for the next manager. I don't have a clue in hell. There's so much uncertainty in terms of super league, what managers, if, if this goes ahead, what managers will want to be a part of that, which ones will not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know all things being equal. I'm guessing Nagelsmann is the guy they want, but then again, Bayern Munich are going to want him. Um, and also he's under contract at Leipzig still. So will Leipzig even let him out of his contract? I don't know. I have, I have no idea right now uh, how this is going to turn out. And honestly, I'm not even really at this point comfortable just throwing names out there without having a, a true clue of what's possible. Uh, so I think sacking a manager with a proven record of beating uh, uh, Pep Guardiola in a final was uh, the week of a final was interesting. Um, but yeah. but in, in, in the broader in the broader scheme of things, um, like I said, uh, you can't have a manager who pays so little attention to attacking patterns and to the that part of the field. You can't do it. And um, to sustaining the ball and keeping the ball. And Mourinho had no interest in that. And he couldn't organize a defense anymore. Maybe he didn't have the defenders to do it. And we are at the inevitable end. So that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, it's just wild. Like we could, God, we could have done a full hour on this and I feel bad that we're giving it such short shrift. Maybe we'll talk about it again, but like, it feels Maybe like this is like a wasted again, opportunity Andrew. to like have had a huge conversation on this. Um, yeah, I guess I feel bad, JJ, if you're someone who doesn't care about the super league or whatever, and you wanted us to talk 
But what are you talking and, about, Andrew? I know this it feels is so all of football. What it are you feels... talking about? Someone who doesn't care? Like I know, okay, I know. I'm I'm sorry if you're someone who's into gardening and you're listening to this podcast by accident. I'm sorry to that person because this is a soccer podcast. Yeah, and this is the biggest thing in football. What do you want to talk about? No, you're Seriously, right. It's, it's just funny because like Barcelona won a trophy last week. Two FA Cup semifinals happened. MLS debuted, and sadly, folks, I'm looking at the clock here and. Uh, it looks like we, it looks like we're in stoppage time and it's the whistle's about to blow. Uh, I promise next week, obviously, we will continue to talk about what happens with developments in the Super League because keep on, you know, I'm not a huge Twitter guy. I don't love it, but it's it's an interesting place right now in spurts um, to find out what is happening at the, at the rapid rate. So everybody keep on it. Uh, we'll, of course, obviously continue following along with the story as well. Next week when we're back. I have a feeling we will be ready to talk about some of the games that have gone on. Good. Good. Um, I got to believe that. So um, we will be back and we will be a little bit more normal. Maybe. Well, actually, I don't know. Are we ready to say that? I don't, I don't know. I feel a little bit uncomfortable just suddenly like saying, Oh, things will be normal next week. No, they won't be quite frankly. Well, we might be able to squeeze in some actual volleys and yeah. headers and, you know, uh, attacking fullbacks and things like that. Also yeah. a big, big thank you to Tarek Panja of the New York Times. And uh, that is why, ladies and gentlemen, you pay and you support good journalism because uh, he's been brilliant over, over the last few days and you should um, you should follow him. Yeah, on no, he, he was great, man. Uh, well, hey, this was, uh, this was interesting and it will continue to be so to you, JJ, I say. Check you later, fun boy. See ya. Take care, man. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 